and what's up everybody welcome back to the o2 podcast today just andrew going to start off our little intro here uh to get you, get you started into the show uh, paul is feeling a little under the weather so we will um we'll be able to handle this one on our own today um Let's see. We'll start here with some announcements um, and some news from around the state and stuff. I actually just got an email. You know, I like to talk about trees. A new invasive tree pest has been discovered in Ohio. The elm zigzag sawfly is discovered has been discovered infesting elm trees in Delaware and Franklin County. So go to ODNR's website. <clears throat> Excuse me. Check that out. There's more information there. Um, Looks like it's an invasive insect native to Asia that was first found in Canada in 2020. So similar to the emerald ash borer, another one that uh, has come from overseas and is now going to be another pain in our butt. But the biggest thing of that is when we're outside, just being able to take a look. If you can ID your helm trees, know what you're looking for. Uh, I'm sure you can report sightings back to ODNR and other groups involved, but, uh, ODNR's website is, um, ohiodnr.gov. They'll have more information there if you want to know more about that. So literally that email just popped up here on my computer, but news from around the state. I thought there was some, I was like, this is cool. Hocking Hills state park has been named a top spot to visit in Ohio. Uh, just in time for the leaves colors to change Hocking Hills state park earned another high tourism honor. The U S news and world report named Hocking Hills number one in its top 10 best places to visit in Ohio. So congratulations to the Hocking Hills state park. But, um, we got a multi-year study underway with the research of Ohio's wild turkeys. Paul can fill us more in on that. Next time he comes in, maybe that was the one I was really thinking about wanting to hear his two cents on that. But um, for our perspective, and we're coming up on our 100th show. So if I can count right, which is debatable, this is like num- number 99 that you're listening to right now. That means next week is going to be show number 100. And, uh, you know, every week we read you off our little promo of stuff about our different groups. Uh, partners that we work with and most of them have been very gracious with us to give us something to auction off or not auction off raffle off you know do a, a prize a giveaway for so um stay tuned uh, i will post on instagram and go wild what what we can do or what we're going to do in order to be a part of those giveaways it'll be simple i'm not smart enough to do all that high tech hashtags and all that kind of stuff so just keep be on the lookout but we'll have uh stuff to give away from half rack and Timber Ninja, um, Blackgate, Go Wild. I got all kinds of stuff. So while we're on that real quick, Go Wild, time to go wild.com. That's your online social media platform for hunters and anglers. Lots of great stuff on there right now. Lots of questions being asked. People starting to post things. Congratulations to Mike Larson with a great velvet mule deer. Uh, I said it almost killed him to get it, but you know what? He's got a story and something hanging on the wall. Super cool. Uh, thanks to the guys at Half Rack. Uh, Ohio Outdoors 15, save you 15%. All kinds of good stuff on there. As you're pulling your stuff, your hunting gear out, and you're looking through, trying to figure out what you need, what you don't need, what needs to be replaced, Half Rack has a lot of that kind of stuff that 
bow ropes and hangers and different things that you might need as you're getting set for the upcoming season. Uh, Blackgate cameras. It's black. Oh man. I always forget this. I got, I need to write this down. Blackgate hunting, hunting.com blackgate hunting.com. So this is Ohio based company and we've got some of our, the pictures that we've had coming off our cameras are up on oh, some of the social media platforms, but the man image quality, amazing. Uh, I need to put them where I got more deer coming through, but there's so many cool, um, uh, parts of the, the cameras and pieces and, and, and they really thought everything through very, very well. So, uh, we did an episode with them a few weeks ago. Go back and check that out. If you got any questions and the code on there is O2 podcast will save you 10% Midwest Gunworks. So these are our buddies out there in Missouri, all your gun parts, needs, ammunition, um, are, are out there. Paul just got a really, really nice, uh, rifle from, from those guys getting geared up for the trip to Michigan later this year. But, um, if you've got anything for your firearms that need, you know, you need to get replaced or upgraded, this is the time to be on there, get it picked out, get it ordered. Ohio outdoors five will save you 5% X vision optics for your thermal, um, needs, uh, night vision needs. Can't say enough about it. Love that stuff. I, I show videos all the time of people about, you know, we were out coyote hunting, whether it was, you know, just what you see the bobcats or the deer or the, you know, the coyotes and all that kind of stuff. Super, super cool technology. Um, really, really stoked to be working with those guys. And finally, Timber Ninja code is Ohio. Get you free shipping. But Timber Ninja is a U.S. based company, U.S. made products. Super, very, very intuitive. Jason is, uh, you know, he, he built this stuff because he wanted it and, and then he figured out other people liked it. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Looking forward to getting up in the, in the saddles. I know the sticks are, are top notch. I've used those for a couple of years, uh, and definitely something to, uh, put on your, your radar if you are interested in the mobile hunting game at all. So, um, I'm not sure that we've got a whole lot other going on right now is a great time to get out and, and shoot your bows, uh, get out and pack your packs. And we've got our opening day up in the DSA is coming up on September 9th. So, and just a, this will release, I think on the seventh and then we will go to right around, you know, the couple days later, get up there. It's going to, it's going to cool down a little bit this weekend. It's a million degrees right now, but it'll cool down this weekend. And, uh, if you get a chance up in that DSA, uh, disease surveillance area, which is Hardin, Wyandotte, and Marion counties. You've got that early opener there. So, um, I know there's plenty of people that were out this weekend. Um, old buddy Brian Hall out there doing a little squirrel hunting and keeping busy there. One other announcement from our show, as far as things go, we're going to start releasing on Thursdays. We've had some things come up. Just going to make it easier on our schedule to make sure that we can get the content submitted and on time and not, you know, rushing to the last second. So moving forward, at least in the short term, you'll start seeing our shows release on Thursdays. Um, and I hope that's not too much of an issue, but we look forward to continuing to bring you content. Our hundredth show, we've got a, a special guest for that one. I had a lot of fun with that, but this is number 99. So next week we will drop that 100th show. In the meantime, 
the .o2.podcast on Instagram and o2podcast on Go Wild. We, that is where we will put the announcements on how we're going to do our giveaways. Check us out at uh, the o2podcast.com and I'm trying to think. Leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you guys are listening. We appreciate that. Try to keep you entertained here moving forward into the hunting season. Uh, today's episode, we are talking to Mike Yoder from Drone Deer Recovery. If you've never heard of Mike, um, he's a real cool, uh, interesting person, and we had a great conversation. Mike grew up in an Amish community, and now he uses thermal imaging to find drones flying around the, you know, find deer, excuse me, after they've been shot to help the, the hunter find the animal. And this is something that... Uh, I think he started the company only a couple of years ago and he'll gives he gives the whole background. It's great. But this is a big deal. And I think that you know, hunting or recovery dogs are great. Uh good woodsman skills are great. But they all have downsides. If you have a deer that you've hit and you didn't see it drop or it got dark afterwards or whatever. Um, I've been there. I know plenty of other people that have been there. The last thing you want to do is bump that deer, uh, and trouncing through the woods. Even if you wait what you think is long enough, or, you know, if you bring a dog in after you think it's long enough, um, you can still bump that deer and having this drone idea, you know, from my perspective last year, I had one, I shot it in the evening. Uh, it didn't, I didn't see it fall, but I knew when I got the arrow, it appeared to be a gut shot. And I didn't, I didn't really have an option of what to do. I called the dog and the dog handler said, if you gut shot that deer, which it all signs indicated I did, um, even the, although the shot placement on the video that I had didn't look gut shot, but the, you know, everything that was on the arrows a gut shot. He said, I'm not going in for 24 hours. I said, okay. I said, you know, it's supposed to rain tomorrow. He said, yeah, if it rains, it's okay. It'll actually help the dog's nose. Well, turns out there's a difference between rain and three inches of rain. So it rained and rained and rained and rained. So by the 24 hours was up, we had gotten almost three inches of rain. There was nothing there. There was nothing to smell. Um, there's no blood to see. It really got to be quite the challenge. And after that, at that point, it was one of those things that like, had I even known about drone deer recovery, it, it probably would have been worth my time to bring, you know, and, and money to, to have Mike's group come down and fly that property just to give it a whirl and see what was there. Uh, and if we could find anything, I, I, wish I would have known about that. <laughs> I really, I really do because I don't think that that helped uh, that situation out for me at all, but now I do. And we hope you guys do. And I looked at actually the other day, we did this episode. Oh, probably a month or two ago, just when we all had time to do it. But, um, Mike's got, uh, he's got more pilots and more pilots around the state of Ohio now. So where he was up in kind of North central, Northeast Ohio, uh, now it's got, uh, he's got more guys down, Southern Ohio, Central Ohio, and gives a, a bigger radius of where they can cover. Definitely something to look for, be interested in, um, 
if you if you have that opportunity if something happens right we know things happen in the woods and if uh, just for some reason you can't find that deer make sure you uh look these guys up so uh with with that i will get you guys to the show appreciate you have a great week and we'll talk to you soon thanks All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, Andrew and Paul joined with our special guest, Mike Yoder, uh, from Drone Deer Recovery. Right, Mike? Yes. And I'll tell you what, man, this is, uh, I think this is the earliest show we've ever recorded, Paul. First thing here on a Monday morning, so this this could get interesting. <laughs> Hope you're ready. I've been up for three hours, man, so I am wound tight. I've had a couple, <laughs> nice. couple cups of coffee, so we're good. Uh, Mike. Tell us, what is drone deer recovery? Well, we use uh, thermal imaging drones to locate the uh, heat of carcasses that you guys, um, our clients, can't find. And, yeah, we basically use a thermal imaging drone to find the heat and then use a big zoom camera to zoom in on the deer to see if it's the, the bucky hit or not. So your YouTube channel is pretty it's pretty awesome to be honest with you. And you just made Thank that you. sound way simpler than what it actually is. Uh, when you guys go out and, and I, if you go out and watch, uh, we'll get all that information here in a bit, but watch these videos. I mean, it is like the sweetest drone you've ever seen, the sweetest camera imaging you've ever seen. You've got your whole little landing pad, the whole, the big screen, everything. I mean, it's a real operation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, uh, we did invest a lot of money in, into our drones. We do not, use uh small i call them baby drones like mavic three e's everybody wants to use cheap equipment to do this and that's not what we do we spent about eighteen thousand dollars on one drone kit um it will fly in snow rain you name it it'll stay in the in the air so uh then we also have a tv uh case that we bring out to show our clients what uh, what we're doing so they don't have to really stare on at my small screen, but uh, yeah, it's it, you know to try to explain it exactly how we do it is a little bit harder uh, than it is to go watch a YouTube video and and you'll get you know get to see exactly what it is that we do. So the drone itself is eighteen thousand dollars, or is that with, uh, with the so thermal? If you say that that's the whole kit, that's okay. like all your batteries, your uh, spotlight, your landing pad, the whole nine yards, uh, just the airframe itself. I think you can pick that up for around 13 grand. Gotcha. Cause I know the thermal stuff that's expensive. Uh, we work with a yeah. com- company called X vision. They do thermal scopes and stuff like that. And those things are not cheap. So yeah, no, it, it comes with all of that gotcha. um, in, in the kit. Gotcha. Well, Mike, what was the driving factor behind wanting to start drone deer recovery? Well, uh, the long story is I, I'm an arborist. I take care of residential houses, trees, and um, I, I was just kind of over it. I, I met all my goals, made more money than I ever have, uh, had a, have a family, have a house, this and that. And um, I was just not motivated to continue, you know, pushing that business. And I was kind of, life had me down. I had a back injury. I was drinking a lot, way more than a guy should, basically turned into an alcoholic for a whole year. And uh, one night I was down. I don't know if you guys know my story. I've 
I do stuff with Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Drowling or have in the past. And Jared called me one night and he just went through a burnout basically himself. And I told him what I'm up to. And he's like, Mike, I just went through something similar like that. He's like, Mike, you have to do something that you want to do. Like uh, go have fun because I was always working. It was all about work. And um, so I did, I uh, gave up drinking and then I started praying to the Lord that I, I want new visions, new dreams, something that motivates me, gets me going. And um, okay, so that that's happening. And then I'm with a buddy one day sitting in his uh, kitchen, we're eating and me and him were talking about using thermal imaging drones to find deer. Uh, and he also used them for roofing inspections. And he's like, Mike, I think it'd be a great idea. And uh, basically, I, I bought a cheap one, the $8,000 one, and made a video about it and took it to an expo. And the, uh, you know, the hunters were just over it. Like they, they were like, this is the best thing. And by next season, I went and bought all the proper gear, spent the big money and uh, away we went. So October 1st, of 2022 was really the first time that I had launched it uh, publicly and started making, making videos on it. And your background besides being an arborist, did you say you were a pilot when we were talking earlier? Yeah. So I'm a private pilot. Uh, I've had my um, pilot certificate for seven years. So you understand the whole aviation scene a little bit. Um, that's pretty good. And, yep. and then something, yep. I mean, I, something you'd said earlier is that you grew up Amish and yep. I think this is interesting, being a complete outsider to the Amish community, but obviously not a whole lot of technology involved there. And here you are on the, the opposite side using the best and top-notch technology that there is, uh, which is pretty – that's interesting to me. Um, yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've always liked technology, even while I was you know, living the Amish lifestyle, uh, but – when I was about 17, um, I chose to not live that lifestyle. I'm the only one in my family that's not Amish, but we're all good. Um, it's basically, it, that's a lifestyle, but they do use technology in certain ways nowadays just because of how, you know, the society has progressed with you basically have to have technology to right. um, have businesses in, in this world nowadays. Right. I'm sorry, my phone keeps going off. You're good. You're, you're you're good. So, have you ever wounded a deer and and tried to find it with dogs and not found it, or have you been through that emotional roller coaster as a hunter? Oh yeah, yeah. So I uh, I was like any hunter. We we don't like to wound a deer and not know what's going on. Not know you know is it dead or what type of shot was it? Not there's this one buck that I hit. Um. I hit him back and I was like, I know that booger is going to die. Like I just, it's, it's back, but he went into this big old CRP field with, um, big old, uh, Russian olive bushes and we tried tracking him through there, but there, there's just not, we, we weren't going to find him. I called, uh, a guy out of Michigan with a dog and I was so convinced on getting him here that I was going to fly up there, pick him up and bring him down. So, yeah, I've, I've went through that stuff. It's like you'd almost do anything you can to figure out what's going on. Yeah, it's I mean, it is for those that are listening that haven't been through it. It sucks and it's going to happen to you eventually. Um, I've been through it 
Anders been yep. through it, and it, it is miserable. And you put every ounce of energy and effort into into trying to find that uh, that that animal. So, like, how, how what, what did like the first? So, so you you're sitting around the dinner table. You were talking to to the 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 gentleman from Whitetail Adrenaline. You know, gave you the, you know the find something that you want to do, find something you like to do. So you just went out. Like, did you did you just start flying around fields looking at looking at deer? What was kind of like the uh, the beginnings of it? No, so I've um, I've always been into RCs, like flying air, like small airplanes or cars or boats or something like that. Uh, as a little Amish boy, I've I had those gadgets, um, and really, you know how how did it get into flying drones and looking for deer? Is I was using drones uh, in my other business anywhere tree care to just video type of stuff you know to create content and um as the technology progressed and got good enough uh with the uh, on the thermal side of things with the drones and the drones were built bigger and better that's when it uh, became um really a tool rather than a toy and that's uh r- really the technology progressing is what made this available i you know, I've been flying drones for many years. I've been flying RC airplanes. So being around the radio control stuff is um, something something I've always done. So if if I'm a hunter, I wound a deer, I'm tracking. I know that this is going to be a long track. At what point do I call you? Well, obviously, just like the dogs would probably tell you is uh, I would love for you to call me before you go after and bump them the first time. So. Uh, the process would be, you know, you've you've tried tracking them. You probably can't find them at this point. You're going to reach out to Drone Deer Recovery either through the website or call the phone number and, um, you know, see where we're at at that time. And we'll get a get an operator out there to help you. And so you're in Ohio, uh, northeast Ohio, kind of. But um, what, what kind of radius are you looking at covering for people um, around the state? Okay. So we're actually going to be covering 15 states. We haven't gone public with this yet. Um, we've got 26 operators in 15 different states right now. And uh, basically, we're going to be able to help you guys uh, no matter what state you are in, as long as the state has operators in there. Um, we're growing rapidly. It, it's actually pretty amazing um, what uh, what we're going to be able to do this year is there a list of those yeah. states on your website uh i'm sorry right now as we're recording this podcast we don't have that up uh hoping to have that um maybe here in a month okay. we got a whole team working on get, you know revamping the uh, website going from a ohio-based company to a national-based company is we're working on it as we speak but you'll have it yeah, before that's... hunting season right obviously yeah, yeah. yep yep <laughs> Yeah, that's really neat, man. Congratulations on 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 that growth. So, I wounded deer. I call you in one of the fifteen states when the operators comes out. What's kind of the process from there? What's the what's the conversation that you have with the hunter as soon as you get there? So basically, um, we're going to build some rapport. We we want to know, um, you know, aside from you having history with the deer, this and that, we're going to ask you to pull out a map, kind of show us where where you were hunting and where you you know, initially put the shot on the deer, where you tracked them, 
um, on your map of choice. I don't care. Is it Google Maps or Onyx or something like that? But um, and some people turn on their tracking on their phone so you can kind of see where they've gone. Um, and then we'll look at the terrain, how the terrain lays, ask the hunter where they want us to look. And we'll start there. We'll start with the drone looking in that area. If we can't locate the, the carcass right away in that area, basically we'll, we'll come up with the boundaries of where the property line is. Um, I'd prefer you to notify your um, landowners that we're going to be flying the drone, not that we legally have to, but that way they have an understanding, hey, there's going to be some big drones out here. Um, and then we just start flying a grid, basically like you would with a bunch of buddies in a big old CRP field walk this straight line go down you know come right back uh, three four feet uh, over overlap but we can do it way more precise than anybody's could walking a crp field because it's all gps recorded where we've gone what our lines look like and that type of thing how how close do you have to well how close does the drone have to be to the to the carcass of that deer before you you pick it up uh we are like usually right flying at a 394 feet uh, so Very we don't have to, number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we want to stay below the 400, uh, feet AGL above ground. Yeah. So gotcha. there's some FAA rules that you, uh, got to follow. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So you're flying, you're flying the, the grid pattern. If, if you find the deer, I mean, like you can see, I've seen your video, you can see blood trails if you're there in time, right? Uh, not with thermal, no. Not with our okay. Um, no. If you if you uh, find are you it, talking if, about maybe that um, like a couple of the Instagram reels or something where you see like footprints? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm okay. thinking about. So yeah, that that's footprints. That's the heat of okay. the deer's uh, when they get up and they walk. Like the the camera is so good that you can see the uh, temperature like change. Trail. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's that's it's, that's. Dude, it's how, insane. It's how long insane. after that before those those the 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 tracks disappear for the thermal well if once you know that they're there you could probably watch them for i don't know 20 minutes gotcha okay it it, it Uh, all depends on the outside air temperature like there's a lot of variables that go into thermal um you know reading itself gotcha so if you if you find a wound if you find the deer in question and it's still alive what what do you do you just you just hang out until it dies keep the hunter out of there what's what's the plan from there oh no i just basically if uh, if the deer is alive that's uh probably not good for you i can't stay there i can't navigate you in there i i basically my job is done at that point so if i uh if i find the deer i will show it to you you can evaluate it kind of see the shot uh and then you know you the hunter have to make a ethical uh decision at that time about what it is that you want to do uh, you know give the deer time so on and so on because there's there's gray area here about using a drone in the aid of hunting and that is one thing we do not do at all is aid in the hunt itself so uh yeah it's 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 going to come down to the hunter and himself what he wants to do if we do happen to find the deer and he's still alive. Do you find that deer and say, "There's where it at. There's where it's at." My my job's that that I mean that that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm done after that. Yeah the 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 gray area. I, 
do you get a lot of pushback from from people on social media? I'm sure you do. Where people, uh, like, uh, way less pushback than support. So of course, it doesn't matter what it is that you do in, in any industry. I don't care as a hunting or or boating or whatever. There's going to be people that don't like it, and that's just part of it. But yeah. uh, for the most part, that we get a lot of support. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very interesting. I mean, the wounding rate for for archery specifically is tremendous in this country. I mean, it's 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 I mean, we've we've talked to people. They said it's 60 percent of the total harvest of deer are wounded and not recovered. Like that's that's a staggering. That, that, yeah, that's insane. I know we we did uh, we did some numbers ourselves based uh, the there's a study done that I heard on a podcast that the guy uh the CEO of Grizzly Stick um, had some of this data on, you know, wounding deer. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like the amount of, um, you know, the in the heat of the season, there's just not enough drones that could go around to keep up with the demand. You know, okay, not to get off on a tangent, but we're going to do this real quick. When we're talking about the archery rates and and stuff like that, there's a customer that i work with and you know he's very he's very anti-gun and all this stuff he's like why don't we just use you know bow and arrow i'm like well actually you know there's a a lot of like uh animals get shot with bow and arrow don't die and uh you know he's like oh really like he didn't quite understand that so it's it's interesting when in that whole dynamic of everything so now that i've completely derailed the conversation um Sorry, Paul. <laughs> no, you're you're no, you're 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 good, man. But, That's the rabbit trail, right? On, on the yeah. um, on the ethics side of things, Mike. First of all, I know well legally you've got now you're going to have 15 states. Is that a challenge to abide by all the laws across each state, or is it kind of up to each operator? And I mean, it, with the, especially with the, dr- it, the it's drones, a, it's a challenge. No, no doubt about it. Right? Like, um. Unless you have a state that has wrote black and white law, you cannot use drones to look at wildlife, then you you can't do that. But most states, most states, most laws that were written were written not knowing that this type of technology would be able to be used to, you know, recover a carcass. So I would say 95% of states have a gray law it's it's a law that was written that states something about uh you can't use aircraft in the aid of a hunt like and and that law right there is what some states are interpreting as if we use a drone then we are aiding in the hunt and that is the farthest thing from the truth because um yeah i'm gonna go on it because it's like Okay, so if you hire me to come look for your deer, I have no interest in pursuing that deer. Me, me as the operator is a separate entity of the hunter himself that, you know, went out and and uh, put a hit on that deer. So there's a there's a area there that they are just misinterpreting and we are not aiding in the hunt i will not navigate you in there i will not come look for your shooter box so all of that type of stuff um is just great it's it's yeah. it's they're misinterpreting the law so i 
I do want to stick on uh, and, and just real quick the the one thing that frustrates me exceedingly to to just a, a seething level is the way that natural resources across this country, state and federal, if it, the the gray area. That's one thing that I want to see disappear in wildlife regulations across this country at at, yep. at every level. If you're going to deal with you know semantics, it better be crystal crystal clear. Um, and so I I I, I do. I like if you're aiding in the recovery of a deer. You have a hard line. Like when I ask you if it's wounded, you're like, I'm done. It's that way. Boom. Yep. That's it. You <laughs> know? And, and so I, I do, I, I, I like that. And I, I think that, that, you know, people need to hear that, that it, it is that there may be gray area, but yours isn't your the way that you operate is crystal, crystal clear. So good, good for you, man. Um, Another what? thing, another thing that we get uh, oftentimes is there's a law written about um, using drones to harass wildlife. Uh, that we are harassing wildlife with our drone, and that is also the farthest thing from the truth. Because when I'm at 394 feet, and you guys can watch these videos on our YouTube, uh, 98% of the deer that we are looking for have no clue that we're around. They it's we're flying so high the drone doesn't uh make that much noise that it's busting out the deer and what i would say to that is i would say if you take a dog in and you're busting out deer looking for a deer that you've wounded uh you are probably harassing those deer more than we are flying over top of their you know bedding area because if you're walking into their bedding area you're bumping them up and they have to run away it's like we're not doing that at all. So uh, there's yeah. there's some of those things that come around. It's like guys, l- like think this through. Like we we're a professional company. We have no interest in doing those things that you're telling us that we're doing. Um, and it, it's just not true that we're harassing wildlife. Yeah. Do you think it's just because people fear stuff that is new? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's you know I was talking to another guy on a podcast. It's like. Um, I'm sure I don't know for sure, but I assume that if when, you know, thermal scopes first came out, um, the technology progressed to be able to put it on your gun and stuff. Uh, I'm sure there were people like, oh, my gosh, you know, like now everybody's going to go out and shoot their big buck at night because you don't need a spotlight. And, you know, you won't be you won't even tell that somebody's out there looking at your deer in, in the field because the scopes got so good. So I'm like. I'm sure it doesn't matter what technology comes around. There's going to be people that are like, oh, my gosh, this is the end of the world. I mean, like you just referenced, you know, people getting upset about thermals versus spotlights. Can you imagine the first guy that's like, I'm going to use a spotlight to shoot this coyote? People probably lost their freaking minds. Like, oh, my <laughs> right, God, this right. guy's using, yeah, right. he's not using candles or whatever the heck. They were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's always there's always going to be something. I mean, that's human nature, right? We fear. Yep. I mean, I watched Terminator 2 the other day and all that. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is, <laughs> this is like this is now, you know, put me into like, a spiral. Yeah, right. yeah, I went down a, a dark hole months. Um you know, I, I, I like the, uh, the one thing I love when I watch your videos, you know, on, on, on YouTube or, or Instagram and you get to hunters and I've been in that spot where I've just wounded them. The, you know, the, the biggest deer I've ever killed or ever shot, you know, and I can't yep. find him. And I'm, I'm, I'm at a very, very low point personally, you know, or any of us when, when you show up and you're like, yep. one of the people are like, how confident are you? I'm like, eh, 10, I'm at a 10, man, 10 out of 10. We're going to find this deer. I, I yep. like that. I like that confidence. What, what, um, what creates that confidence for you? That 10 out of 10? Uh, the technology. I know that I know 
for a fact that if the if the carcass or the deer is around the search area, we will find it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm that confident. It's because I've seen it time and time again that that's how it is. Dude, I did over 100. I think I did 110 um, recoveries myself. And I asked the hunters to stay in contact with me uh, for the ones that I did not find. Basically, what I did I wanted to know is how many, you know, at a later time uh, were found in the search area where I was, because that would tell me, you know, if I missed him. And over, a, uh, so I did over 110 and only two uh, got back to me that the deer, uh, the deer was in the search area. One uh, was in water, four inches of water. So it was really hard for me to find that because of water, um, looking for thermals in water, it just, just doesn't work. And the other believes that the deer was not even in the search area when we looked. He was out of the search area and then came back at a later time and died in the search area. So um, that being said, basically... I don't think that there's many deer going uh, going to waste in my search area because if they're there, if they're not laying in water, I'm go- I'm gonna I'm gonna find them uh, unless they're inside of a log or under a rock. Okay, those so- deer laying in water, they're the ones that have watched the Predator movie. They know. <laughs> Paul's there going go. all nineties movies covered in mud, hiding in water. <laughs> the uh, Mike, when you've got uh, a canopy cover, so as an arborist, you can appreciate that, but like. I mean, it gets thick in there, and that, that thermal can see through all the leaves and everything else? So early season, it is way, way, way harder. But majority of our, you know, good season uh, using the drone is when the canopy is dropped. Uh, you know, that the rut is, what, usually first of November till third week or something like that. Almost all the areas that I'm searching at that point already lost their uh canopy so but early season i mean we start september last saturday september you could have challenges with that is that oh yeah 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 Yeah, it's definitely a challenge yep i i did find some this year though with the canopy uh on um trying to think how to explain it so what happens is when so the sun is out all day the leaves hold heat and then the bark of the trees actually also hold heat like the wood itself um so if you call me right away and the sun just went down i'm gonna have to go through a lot more data like i'm gonna look at a lot more hot spots than i would if the canopy is off um and i'll have to look through smaller holes so if i see a heat signature on the back side of a hole i'm gonna have to maneuver the drone in a way that i can you know look through that hole to see down into the tree canopy to really identify if it's your um, deer or not so what i'd like to tell people is if the canopy is on versus off if i find a deer with the canopy off say in 20 minutes if the canopy is on it's probably going to take me 40 to an hour and a half to find that same deer because because of the tree canopy is it something that if you so you shoot the deer in the evening and then i don't know how late you work into the night and from your videos it looks like all night but 
that you go out but right before the sun comes up so those trees have lost as much of that heat as possible yeah so how i'm gonna do it this year uh last year i was all about get out there get out there quickly fine because i did not understand how long a carcass holds heat and i was scared that if i don't get there right away you know i'm I'm not gonna find it because it's gonna be cold well at the more i done it the more i see that's not the case at all like i this year i'll probably wait try to encourage you to let's just hold off we'll start an hour or two before sunrise and we should be able to find that carcass because it's going to give the leaves and the wood more time to cool down um and so you're not looking through all that data so that is something i'll probably be moving forward to doing this season last season i worked all through the night basically you know, start at 5 p.m., didn't get home till 7 a.m. the next morning. That's crazy. Um, do you have different, when you, when you talk to the hunter and he says, all right, I hit it with a gut shot. Now, we've always been taught for years, you know, 24 hours on a gut shot. And I had one last year. The dog would not come in. If I had known you by then, I would have called you. Uh, but he didn't want to come in. We ended up getting like three inches of rain in that 24-hour period everything's gone right so there was there was no hope um but with that dude i would love to look for it because that's perfect conditions for us on uh thermal i think i heard your show like two weeks later and i was like well that sucks (laughs) (laughs) so um definitely one of those things but if you get a gut shot are you going to tell guys same thing wait for it or you coming right now um i i don't think we have to come right now and the reason i say that is because you want the deer to expire before I get there because if the deer is alive when I get there, you're just going to see a live deer and you're not going to know if it's going to stay there for sure or not till you know you make a decision to go in after the deer. Uh, I've had that already happen to me. Is like I went, the deer was dying. I they seen it, they know where it's at. I leave, they go in uh, the next morning to retrieve it and then by that time it was either bumped by coyotes got up and ran a little bit farther and they couldn't find it um so i would tell you now the experience that i have now is let's just wait uh it's not a it's not a big hurry to come right away now i understand that you're you know super fired up and i i am too when i hit a big buck it's like you want to find this thing like i i just gotta get my hands on it but Let's dial it back a little bit. Let's take some time. We'll come in there. You know, first thing in the morning, we're still going to find your uh, carcass at that time. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. Mike or, or Andrew, go ahead. Uh, I couple more thoughts I had. Um, what kind of – explain the differences between hunting public land and private land and using your services. Are there any differences? Um, you talked about, you know, notifying the, the property owner – but as far as, you know, you can't fly a drone just over somebody else's property. Is that correct? Like, if you think it ran onto the neighbor's yard and it's – I'm speaking from experience where I knew I hit one that went into an adjacent property that I couldn't get access to uh, track it. But if you were flying the drone and you went right up to the property line at 394 feet, how far can you see over to see if there's anything over there, or can you actually Dude, we, take it we over? Can fly, we could, you, we can fly all Anywhere. across the neighbor's land. Yeah, like 
that's 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 often a question we get can you fly across the neighbor's land and then i like to reference this to you like this is um do you have a helicopter stop and ask you to uh fly across your land that's amazing like yeah they don't really just be like uh oh you know <laughs> i know <laughs> can't fly across this property one don't of the- have permission in that specific instance, the dog guy wouldn't go without permission, which obviously he was walking on. The, okay, on the so reference. that's different. That's right. different, right? You're you're physically on their land. Uh, the drone is not on their land. They are in federal airspace. When we are flying our drones, we are in federal airspace, so we can go wherever you know federal allows us to. So, yes, we have these guys say, "Well, if you fly across my land, I'll shoot you down." That type of thing. Uh, that's also not legal, but. If if we go across the neighbor's land, we're not technically on his land. We're you know we're in federal airspace. We find the carcass in on the neighbor's land. Then you're gonna have to go get permission to go retrieve that deer. Like that's have you have you had anyone try to shoot at your drones? Uh, not mine personally, but we we have had uh, one of our operators already had somebody shooting at uh, at his drone. That's awesome. It's going to happen. The more the you know, the more drones we have in the sky, the more the more people are going to be like, "Okay, I'm going to try to shoot this thing." And then is there any restrictions on public land? Okay, so in the state of Ohio, um and I'm only speaking for state of Ohio, I don't know all the laws of every state. Every state is different. Um Texas is really strict. Uh, the state of Ohio before they just voted on a new new rule, new law, is you can't fly a drone from public grounds. So you can't physically be on the public ground to fly the drone, but you can fly the drone from private to public. Gotcha. If that makes any sense. And a whole conspiracy so on this, a whole conspiracy on this is, you know, drone deer recovery kind of blew up and started going uh, you know, semi viral. And I think what happened is the ODNR got wind of it or somebody reported it like, Hey, you guys got to tell, you know, the general public, you can't fly drones from public or whatever uh, because of drone deer recovery. This is my assumption uh, because they are saying that the reason they put this new law or this new rule in effect is hunters were being harassed by anti hunters with their drone. Well, that already is illegal. So what is the point of you saying that you can't now launch a drone from public ground to go look for a carcass that will, you know, otherwise go to waste? You're telling me that you're going to tell the anti-hunters you can't uh, launch a drone from public grounds, but you can launch it from private and still go harass the hunters. So the whole thing is a little stupid, if you ask me. Yeah, you almost wonder if they're if they're concerned, just very broadly speaking, about people using drones to aid in hunting well they're like blanket statement yeah well that's the thing no matter what like you make it illegal or not the illegal person is still gonna do it it's like he doesn't give a rip if it's illegal or not if that is his intent and he's a a bad dude the, the dude's gonna do bad or the gal it doesn't matter like everything yeah, yeah, for yep. sure. yeah. So. Yep. what other what are, i'll go ahead months go no i just i've got lots of ideas keep popping in my head is this yeah good i love it are you only able uh, you guys are going to get me all fired up <laughs> <laughs> i'm ready to go shoot deer you know i'll, I'll be calling <laughs> you i'm sure the uh 
day versus night. Can, if you shoot one first thing in the morning, can you come out during the day or do you have to wait for the night? Uh, the conditions will tell me if I can come out in the day. So I can't come out in the day if the sun's going to be out. If it's going to be overcast and raining through the day, perfect conditions. I'll come I'll come in the daytime. But uh, for the most, you know, most of my searches are done at night because you got to have the coolness to stand you know, out. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. And I guess my my other main question is, you know, maybe part of what I love is is the blood track tracking of a deer. Now that's only when I know that it it's dead. Uh, when it's that kind of like iffy, is it actually dead type thing? Is when it you know puts that gut that feeling in your stomach that sucks. But mm-hmm. so you shoot your you know target buck it's the biggest buck you've ever shot that might be a reason to call you or really i mean anytime they want to call you what and and maybe you don't have an answer what kind of cost is associated with something like this because I, I i know what some of the 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 dogs will run and different things like that but if it's one of those things your kid's first deer or your biggest buck ever and it's like i what what kind of before you have to call your wife and be like hey can i call this mike guy and see if i can come find my deer because you know, it's going to cost a little bit of money. What What are we looking at? Okay, so our costs, uh, one second here. What the heck is going on with my phone? Okay, there it is. Um, our cost is $450 to come look, another $100 if we find the deer dead or alive. Uh, for us, it doesn't matter if the deer is dead or alive. I prefer for you as a client that your, you know, your deer is dead. So you're looking at $550 if we find the deer. Um that is that that covers you up to 30 miles one way uh from my home location over that is a dollar a mile so you will you will definitely get into some costs um using this technology and our service but like i tell people dude you've already spent what at this point you know it could be thousands of dollars just your bow your arrows your camo your scent control like all this stuff not including your food plots your blinds Go on and on and on. That's the, that's yeah. my favorite when people are like, oh, this is this is free meat. And I'm like, oh, no, this is the and most no, expensive <laughs> meat. This is probably you, the most expensive meat we eat. Yeah, Wagyu beef has oh, nothing that, on this stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny. Mike, what other, what other uses for, for drone technology are there within, oh, like, man. the hunting, hunting space? Oh, okay. So another big one that we did that um, – just got out of control at the end of the season i made a post on my instagram about doing a herd analysis basically it's uh we come out to your property and we fly the whole property and we count the deer for you uh, that is very valuable for big you know big landowners uh, big ranches uh, really for anybody that wants to pay to have it done but those people that have big acreage that do you know manage the thing to t it's very valuable. I, I'm not a biologist, so I don't know how that all works. What I know is how, that I can come out and I can fly that whole property and I would almost put money on it. I'm about 97% accuracy of how many deer are on your uh, property. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> One proof that I have, the ODNR was, uh, uh, okay, so a guy built a fence, a high fence, and he needed to get all the native deer out. So the ODNR flew over this 400 acres uh, twice, 
and they told him no more deer yep you're good to release deer and he was just like i don't know that i quite believe you guys he hired drone deer recovery to come in and just check make sure dude we found six deer in there and they told him that there's no more deer in there so it's like that's old way of doing things if if you want an accurate number if you're gonna get us out we're gonna find deer uh, that they could miss for sure so yeah, it was crazy. It was like, oh my gosh, like that proves yeah. that, that that proves that they did they were not able to find them all with their helicopter. That seems like that would be valuable for especially like biologists and you know if you're looking for for turkey numbers or deer number numbers, yep. you know overall yep. herd health, there there'd be some value for that. Well, especially like you know in my world, the turkey world. I mean, for like health, not you know for hunting, but just for. And Paul, we've, how many of them are there. we've talked to Clint McCoy. I mean, one of his favorite things is flying around in a helicopter trying to trying to count deer. So that's no different. I mean, it's probably a hell of a yeah. lot cheaper. I'm telling you what, like if the helicopter guys get a hold of this, like this is way more accurate than a helicopter. You're not spooking deer out. You're not just counting deer that you can see out in the fields or in this uh, bedding area. Like you will see every deer. If the conditions are right, you're going to, um, I, I just don't know how to, prove what my accuracy is but i'm telling you if the deer is there i'm gonna find them like and if they're you know if it's two thousand acres and i count you know 300 deer i'm i'd be really surprised if there's you know 10 deer that get through that hole without me seeing i know for like turkey research one of the one of the methods is that the biologists and state agency folks will fly private or public property in a helicopter finding Turkey scratchings, uh, you know, flocks of turkeys. If there's snow, they'll look at you know because turkeys are messy. They'll 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 rip an area up pretty good to find you know sites that they you know they can set up for for research. So, I mean, you talk about less invasive. I mean, a helicopter or a drone. I mean, yep, yep, yeah, yep. It makes it makes oh, sense. I, I I think we're just we are just barely getting started with what these drones will be used for. Yeah. Um, I, I think as the technology gets better the drone's going to be able to do it on its own. It'll be AI. It'll be, the drone will go fly the property. It'll, it'll, it'll ping every hot spot it found. It'll differentiate, you know, if it was it a deer, was it a turkey or was it a groundhog? I, I think that's where it's going. Yeah. It's going to be years down the road, but drones are just, just barely getting started. Yeah. And and that's the, that's the interesting process for technology and hunters and humans and, and fair chase and how we use that. And, you know, the, the information, you collect all the data in the world, what you do with that information uh, is, is the main point. Yep. So, so yep. Mike, uh, anybody listening is probably like, okay, this dude works October, November, December, maybe January. Uh, what, what else do you do the rest of the year with the drones? Cause that's a, that's an expensive toy to just go out and find deer for a couple months. Well, I'm going to stop you there and tell you that it's not a toy because I don't have that type of money to spend $18,000 on a toy yet. One day, maybe I will have money to, you know, buy a toy for eighteen grand. But um, yeah, so there is really not a to- whole ton that I do uh, outside of that uh, in the season, but you make enough money during the season that it it pays for itself. So um but we are transitioning uh me and our team here is transitioning into the agriculture side of drones and that is even a bigger industry than drone deer recovery itself uh we use big drones to do crop spraying so 
fungicides applying uh, on beans and corn and winter wheat and that type of stuff. But yes, it is very expensive uh, to just basically work for two to three months. But I, in my first, I spent 20000 on my first Matrice. And I think I paid that 20000 off in four weeks. Wow. So I'm on the ag side, because Paul and I both have a little ag background, the when you're spraying, are you actually spraying with the drone? Like you've got the spray tank up there on the drone yep. or okay. Yep. So it's yep. like, it's so like a crop it carries, duster it without carries 10 and a half yeah. gallons of uh, fluid. And uh, you depends how much you're applying, but most fungicide is between two and three gallons of total solution per acre. Um, if you have the ideal conditions, you're going to be doing about 30 acres an hour. Not bad, and that's um, that really doesn't have anything to do with the thermal side of it, right? That's just no, more no, the drone, okay? No. Because yeah. I know in the golf world they've used thermals and some of the sports fields and stuff to monitor hot spots in the turf, uh, where you, okay, it's warmer there, so therefore it's drying out. So let's spray, you know, let's water that area specifically. Okay, yeah, and then there's some, yeah, I could see that some of the um, injury research on different fields. Now we're really getting off topic, Paul. Uh, of where you know rabbits run down the trail man a harder a harder surface right um might cause more injuries or softer surface may cause more injuries based on the heat and water availability to the plant and all that kind of stuff anyways yeah that that's just on the thermal side of things yeah Yeah. like because you you could thermal drones also are used uh in roofing so on big commercial roofs if uh if you have a leak and you get water into your insulation that'll hold heat differently than the other part of your roof will so uh, thermal drones are used to do roof inspections for leaks um another thing thermal drones are used for is uh landfills so a lot of landfills might have uh underground fires and so if you go out there early in the morning you can fly this whole landfill you can see hot spots and then they can uh, do research if there's actually a fire underneath the, the ground. I was just wow. talking to a pilot uh, yesterday that that's what he does. He travels the country, works for a uh, civil engineering firm, and they do a lot of thermal imaging on landfills for the like nice. basically EPA stuff. All right. I'm shooting this rabbit right now. Uh, Mike, where can people find you on social media if they want to get in contact? Yep. So all recovery. social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Drone Deer Recovery on all platforms. Now we already have um, uh, impersonators or people that are stealing the trademark. So you might see like Drone Deer Recovery such and such. That that's is when you not... know you've made it. That's when that's when you're you're official, right? when someone starts scamming you on Instagram. yeah you want to talk about it and i'm sure the guy's gonna to listen to this because he, he he was quite the character um in the early stages of developing this um so many people were reaching out to us hundreds of people thousands of emails and before we really knew how we we're going to structure this we were looking at maybe doing ex- exclusive rights in certain states well there's this one individual that reached out to me and i threw him a number for an exclusive well come to find out he was a little um butt hurt about the number that i tossed him here he goes and he files with the state drone deer recovery state and then he calls me and he's like this is mine now you can pay me if you want it i was like 
no guy, this is not how this is going to work. But just that to me was like, okay, like we got something here, but now we got to come and we, we got to protect it. Yeah, for sure. Put the fence up, man. Mike, (laughs) I love what you're doing. Uh, I I think it's, I think it's really neat. I like to see how it develops. I think people need to have an open mind. Um, You know, anything that, that collectively we can do to, to limit the wounding rates and to recover the deer that, that we're pursuing or whatever the game is uh, in the respective States that you're in. I think, I think that's, that's, you know, we're all better for it. Uh, quite yeah, frankly. And, yeah. And the resources yeah. is better for it as, as well. Totally agree. Like it, like we were talking earlier, technology, right? It's always progressing. We might yeah. get scared about it in certain ways, but put it in the right hands. It can be used for good. It just, yeah. I just don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, thanks. Thanks for all your uh, your time today. Good luck this year, man. Good luck with the growth and, and everything you got going on. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate it.